Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. All right, so we are starting in Ephesians, and typically as I, as I do, I try to, before I get into the meat of the text, I like to explain why he's writing the letter in the first place. It's important that we understand who he's writing to, why he's writing, so that we can understand the, really, the intent of the writing. Uh, so let me talk to you about why he's writing to the book of Ephesians. Because he loves them. You know, he wrote the, to the Thessalonians because they were afraid that they missed Jesus coming, that they were struggling with their faith. Uh, he wrote to the Galatians because, as we learned, they had mixed grace with works, and he wanted to correct that problem, and he did so very pointedly and vehemently. The, the whole reason that he's writing the book of Ephesians is because Paul loved the Ephesians. There are not really a lot of words of correction in the text. Uh, in fact, he spends most of his time playing out the thesis statement that we can find in chapter 6 for the entire text, which is this. He says in verse 6, or chapter 6, verse 22, for this very purpose, so that you may know us and that he may comfort your hearts, is why Paul wrote the letter. He wanted to love them and encourage them. Man, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, we live in a world where you just get beat to death all the time. Somebody critiquing us, someone jamming on us, somebody just, just creating turmoil in our life all the time. And we, sometimes we need correction. But we need loved on too. We need encouraged too. And that's the reason why I love the book of Ephesians because it's, it's a word of encouragement when everything upside down or is going on around us. We can know that we know that we have what we have, not because we deserve it, not because we earned it, not because of any other reason than the fact that we're in Christ Jesus. And because we're in Christ Jesus, we have the hope of eternity and there are expectations of us, and these are how we play out those expectations. And so this is what the book of Ephesians covers. And so we're going to spend some time talking about that. Uh, like I said, specifically 14 weeks. Paul wrote the letter so that we could know that God loves us enough to send us Jesus. And that's what I want to convey to you through the whole text, that God loves you enough to send Jesus. I have, t I have shared with you on multiple occasions, I've, I write in my Bible, and on multiple occasions I've shared with you in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, I have gone through and I've circled through a study I did previously, all the ends, Christ's in him, through him, because of him's in chapters 1 and 2. As Paul lays the foundation for what the Christian looks like, why the Christian is a Christian, he, in chapters 1 and 2, over and over and over and over and over and over again says, you are who you are because you are in Christ. Through Christ you have. Because of Christ you are. And so the everything that we have, everything that we can ever hope to have, everything centers in eternity on the work of the cross and us being in Christ because of the work that he performed. 
Amen? It is the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is the foundational teaching of the book of Ephesians. We need you to understand, you need to understand, Paul needed us to understand, that it is because of the work of the cross, Christ and him crucified, that we have all the blessings that we have and all the blessings that we are promised because we are in Christ Jesus. Have I said that enough? I've said it a lot, but I'm going to say it a whole lot more because Paul says it a whole lot more. What? Stop trying to kill yourself. Stop trying to work yourself to death. Jesus Christ died so that you could belong to him. Amen? And so we're going to talk today about what makes all those things possible, which is the mystery of the gospel. The gospel is what gives us identity. It makes us who we are. And it promise, it's, it is the foundational truth of every promise we've been given from God and every promise we hope for. Amen? All right. So with all of that in mind, we are going to the text. And I'm going to cover through verse 14, which seems like a lot of text, but Pastor Rick said I had to cover it, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in verses 1, 2, and 3 because it's pretty standard introduction to Paul's letters, but he reads like this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So as Paul often does, he said, listen, I'm writing to you because I've been given the authority to minister to you. And I've not been given the authority to minister to you by man, but by God alone. And so what I am saying is of the authority of God. It's important that we understand who we listen to and that that person is speaking on behalf of God as ordained by God to do so. And so he starts by doing that. He said, to the saints, so this is who I am, and this is who I'm writing to, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful, what does it say? In Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, which is our hoped expectation. It's our, it should be our expectation if we are in Christ Jesus, that we are bound by grace and have peace exceedingly and abundantly, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's a pretty standard introduction. If this, I'm Paul, I'm talking to you, and you have what you have because we're in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, what? In Christ. All right, so I know I'm beating this to death, but man, if I get you guys to grab a hold of anything, I want you to know who you are, because that's what Paul wanted you to know. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I, can I tell you, take two seconds just to spin there, a little longer than that, because I've already said two seconds worth of stuff. But notice he said, he doesn't say, God bless you, although God has blessed you, and he continues with that fact. He said, he said in verse 3, blessed be God and Father. All the stuff that he's given us, everything we're about to talk about, may we bless God for what he has done for us. Our responsibility is to return the love that he has shown us to the degree that it's humanly possible to do so. So blessed be God by his people. Can we bless God? Can we praise him for his holiness? Can we praise him for his sacrifice? <coughs> Can we praise him for the truths of Scripture? Blessed be. <coughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, because He has, blessed us with every spiritual blessing 
in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, I could spend probably, I don't know, 14 lessons on the blessings of verse 4. Because it says every spiritual blessing. But the intent of the teaching is to teach some of those things. So I'm going to get past it. And I'm going to start at 4. The mystery of the gospel includes four truths. And here's the first one. That we are chosen. In verses 4 through 6, he says, just as he chose us. Now remember, it says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as, which means number one, he chose us. In him, before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. Why did he do what he did? Because he loves us and because his kindness dictated that his will extend that grace to us. In verse 7, in his, well, I'm not, in verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. The Beloved is capitalized. That means Jesus. Again, everything that we have is in the Beloved. So the first thing first, and I think it's absolutely essential that we start here, that we are chosen. God was thinking of us before He created the earth to make us holy and blameless. Now, that sounds like an awful preachery thing to say, right? This is the kind of stuff you expect preachers to say. And it's rightfully so. It's in Scripture. But I want you to stop listening to me and get in your imagination for a moment. And I don't mean make stuff up. I mean allow your imagination to understand or try to grab a hold of a God that made a plan for your salvation before you knew you needed a plan for your salvation. Before you were created, before the earth was created, God who is everywhere at all times, which means he's equally in the future as he is in the past and in the present, omnipresent, everywhere at all times, saw you in your sinful state long before you were in your sinful state and sent an answer to the problem you didn't even exist to have. Man, that's a big God. And the truth of that is found, let me turn to it, in Romans chapter 5. Give me a second because I don't have it written down. And I, I've got it memorized, but I think sometimes you just, it's important that you guys see your pastor read out of the Word of God so that you can read out of the Word of God. 5 verse 8, but God, after talking about what, what horrible people we are. But God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He chose to do that. That is such a big deal. I want to talk to you guys like we're sitting at a coffee table for a minute or in a coffee shop. Instead of preaching at you, I want you to just release your imagination to a God so big, so loving, so kind, who has such a blessed will that, that is so 
incredible that he said, in the millennia to come, Gene Wigington's going to exist. And Gene, because of who she is at birth and by action, is going to need me to move on her behalf. And this is the plan I've made for her. And you can insert your own name there. He chose us. Not out of obligation. Because who would he be answerable to? He created all things. He was, he's in all things, through all things. He was here before. He's always been here. I, I can't get my head around that. But certainly if he created it, he's not answerable to anything. So the only reason that he could do it, the only reason he could possibly have been motivated to do it, according to verse 5, or verse 4 is in love. In verse 5, according to the kind intention of his will. In verse 6, by the glory of his grace. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that my God loves me enough to care enough about me, care enough about you, that he could have let you die but didn't. And, but he didn't just want to, to save you. He wanted to make you holy and blameless. You know, this is some of the same verbiage he used in regard to the people of Israel when he chose them. We came along later. Deuteronomy 14.2 says, For you are the holy people of the Lord God. Of course, this is Old Testament, so he's talking about the Israelites. Holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. That doesn't offer us a lot of hope because I'm not Jewish. But according to Romans eleven seventeen, he grafted the wild vine branch into the um, cultivated branch so that we could have the same hope that the cultivated branch has. Romans eleven seventeen is for if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive, that's the Gentiles, were grafted in among them and became partakers with them, everybody say with them, of the rich root of the olive tree. Which means now because of the mercy, the salvation, the chosen state we are in, we have every right and privilege that the people of God Israel had, we now possess. We are partakers of the blessing of Abraham because, and I'm going to say this again, because he loves us according to the kind intention of his will and because he's bestowed his grace on us. There's no other reason that we might be holy, that is righteous, and blameless in Christ Jesus. Romans 5, 9, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be res saved from the wrath of God through him. It's the work of Jesus on the cross that grafted us in to make us holy, to make us blameless, to make us righteous, that there should be nothing standing between us and God when in fact everything in our divine rebellion did separate us from God. 
But Jesus did all the work necessary. It's the reason why we are in Christ, because we couldn't do the work he did. He justified us, which means he took our guilt from us. But not just took our guilt from us, made it as though we were never charged of a crime in the first place. That's how clean you are. You haven't had your record expunged. Your record has been chiseled from the archives. It no longer exists. That's so good, right? It no longer exists. Because it's, he's removed it as far as from the east to the west. He's placed it behind himself. He's thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. All of these things according to the word of God. He doesn't remember your sin. The enemy has no right to judge you according to your sin. And God won't judge you or condemn you according to your sin because the enemy doesn't have a right to judge you in the first place. And God doesn't judge you according to your past sin. Because you are in Christ Jesus. Because of the work of Christ Jesus. If I said in Jesus enough, man, I haven't. I feel like I've said it a lot. But how much can you say it when you've been chosen and it be enough? Amen? I want you to be as comforted as the Ephesians must have been the first time they read, had this letter read to them. You know, back, I mean, that, that actually happened. Like it showed up like this. And some dude over a big stone table where they, where they would have normally have put the Old Testament, the Pentateuch or whatever, took it out and they, they rolled it out and they go, because that was in their tradition to do that, Paul's sent us a letter. And they would have been, bro, they'd have been, Paul sent us a letter? They would have been all about that. You know why? Because they love Paul. I could prove that to you. Let me read in book of Acts, verse 20. Paul establishes Ephesians earlier in the book of Acts, goes about his ministry stuff, comes back to Ephesians, or comes back to Ephesus, knowing that he's about to be persecuted, and he essentially talks to them and tells them goodbye. Listen to this. Therefore, be, he's talking to them. He's trying to give them final instruction. Therefore, be on the alert, the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. So when he was there before, he spent three years with them. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. These are, these are the great last words if you're going to tell somebody something, right? And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 36. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Imagine the, how, how sad this must have been. And they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship that would ultimately lead him to Rome and to his own death. I had the whole Rome and to his own death thing, but we know that's what happened. They loved him. So when he come up and said, I got a letter from Paul. Paul wrote us a letter. 
from prison because he was thinking about us. He wants you to know that Jesus loves you, that you're still in Jesus, that you're doing great. He he wrote us just to encourage us because he's heard about us. Isn't that good? But we've been chosen to be holy and blameless. But not only have we been chosen to be holy and blameless, we've been redeemed. 7 through 10. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness is our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Again, there's the motivator. Why? Because He loves us. Because He has a kind intention of His will. Because of His grace. That He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him. He wanted us to know that not only were you chosen, but everything was done, as I've already spoken, to ensure that in that chosen state you might be holy and blameless. We were consumed by our divine rebellion to God. Did you know that? You were absolutely from head to toe a reprobate before the Holy Spirit convicted you. You were destined for judgment. You were to be separated from Christ. No longer or not part of the covenant people. Separate from Israel. Separate from the blessings of Israel. All of this according to the Word of God. Except that in Christ you were chosen, and because you were chosen, you have been redeemed. Which means He's done everything to pay back your debt. Any of you guys ever owed anybody for anything? So you know you redeem when you buy back. You go to a pawn shop, you put something in a pawn shop, they hold on to it. You go back and you redeem your property. He redeemed his property because there was a debt owed. What was the debt that was owed? The debt that was owed was death. Because because in divine rebellion, God said, if you sin, death must happen. And God is perfectly just. And so in our sin, death would have happened except that God sent Jesus to be the replacement, the substitutionary atonement for our debt. He said, get out of the way. I got this. But he didn't just substitute himself in our place on the cross for death, but he was a, he substituted for our, he substituted himself to receive the wrath of God on our behalf also. Because those are two different things. He didn't just die for you. He absorbed the wrath of God so you wouldn't have to. When Jesus said, how hast thou forsaken me? It wasn't because he was hanging on the cross. I just told you he had a plan to do that from the beginning of the earth. But in absorbing the sin, the Father had to turn his face from Jesus. It was the first time in all of eternity, before that and all of eternity since then, that God, because he doesn't reflect on sin, he doesn't stand wantingly and willingly in the presence of sin, turned his back 
to Jesus because at that moment he became all the sin in the world that ever has been or ever will be. And God turned his back from him, so Jesus felt forsaken. Jesus did that for us. He redeemed us, bought us back from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light so that we might be family. Isn't that good? That's the mystery of the gospel. You want to know why they call it the mystery of the gospel? Because I don't understand it. Can you understand it? People, you know, my kids and people in general, you'll make a statement and your kids will go, okay, why? Well, because such and such. Well, but why though? Well, because such and such. And you get it smaller denominator, smaller denominator, smaller denominator, until you finally get to the foundation of the thing and say, you're just going to have to trust me. Because I can't explain it any better than that. You know what that you're going to have to trust me is? Faith. I could tell you because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this. Yes, but why? All I can tell you is that you receive grace by faith. The, common, the, the lowest, very lowest common denominator is that there are some things the finite mind can't grasp. And one of those most beautiful things is that we have a God, serve a God that loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You've been chosen and you've been redeemed. And man, let me tell you, that ought to make us excited. That ought to do for us what it should have done. I'm sure it did for the Ephesians when they read it. But not only are we redeemed, the mystery declares we have an inheritance. You know, he could have he saved us and then put us in the moldy, funky outhouse. Yeah, you're saved. You're not going to hell, but get in the back. He didn't do that for us. In verses 11 through 12, he says, also, he's number three, and we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Now, do y'all keep hearing the motivation of God here? You should be because I've been very intentional to point it out. According to his kindness, according to his love, according to his grace, according to his kind intention, according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be the praise of his glory. We have an inheritance. We've been given a promise. And that is that he has predestined us to be with him for all of eternity. Romans 8. If you guys didn't know, Romans 8 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. I think Romans is incredible. Uh, but Romans 8 is the incredible piece of the most incredible thing in my mind. It says this in 8, 29 and 30. For those whom he foreknew... Did you know Jesus foreknew, God foreknew you? He wouldn't have been able to make a plan for you if he didn't know you, if he didn't know you were coming. 
He also predestined, to be, he said, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called by the power of his Holy Spirit, by the unction of his Holy Spirit. And these whom he called, he also justified. That means as he calls us, as we accept that calling, as we declare, yes, I believe Jesus Christ is Lord, or speak that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I am justified. My sins have been erased. And those whom he justified, he also glorifies. Not just in this world, because you've been, there's a present glorification. We're actually talking about this Sunday, so I'm not going to get into it too deep. You just have to show up for that. There's a present glorification and a future glorification that we'll only know in heaven, which is the perfect perfection of all things. But it's God as part of our inheritance that decided to do this for us. Each and every one of us calls us by name, knows us intimately. I mean, I don't want to be the pastor that just espouses verses everybody knows, but the number of hairs on your head, he has your hand engraved in the palm, your name engraved in the palm of his hand. He is intimately familiar with you. And if you've allowed the world to convince you you're not important, you don't understand who you belong to. Amen. But he has given us an inheritance according to the kind intention of his will, according to the riches of his grace, according to his kind intention. And after the counsel of his own will, again and again and again and again. I think what Paul is trying to say is, listen, he did it because he wanted to. He did it because he loves you. The creator God of the universe wanted to love you because it's in his nature to love you. He wouldn't know anything else. He is, in his divine quality, the very perfected definition of love. And so for him to do anything other than love you would go against his nature, and that's not, that's not possible. So he gave you an inheritance, and in hopes that he would spend eternity with you. And then he made sure you knew it. The last thing the mystery declares, according to the text that we have, is that we are secure. 13, 14, read like this. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth and the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, do you hear, do you hear that process? He says, after listening to the message, which is the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, having also believed that mystery, having declared Jesus Christ as Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and all the reasons why you need him in the first place, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Jesus didn't just save you and say, all right, good luck. Hope this works out for you, man. It's a tough world out there. 
He said, hey, you belong to me. And I'm going to seal you. I'm going to give you a promise that you'll know that you know. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a foretaste of the inheritance that you have. I'm going to give you a down payment on the blessing that is to come. That is the Holy Spirit who is given as a pledge to our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. This down payment, he's saying the entirety of your inheritance, although not completely seen or understood today, you have a knowing in you that you will see it. Why? Why? Verse 14. With a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. Man, since the day we started this church, I said, I've told you a thousand times, thousands of times probably, God does everything He does primarily for His own glory. You know why he extended the mystery of the gospel to us? Primarily for his own glory. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Like your salvation ain't even about you. Your salvation's about him. And yet we close our mouth to it. And we don't praise his name. We don't live lives of worship. We don't, we don't crucify the flesh. We don't tear off the old self, put on the new self. We don't submit ourselves to the holiness of God's Word, His Spirit, sound counsel. We don't pray like we should. All of these things glorify God. When He gave us everything possible to ensure that we had all the motivation we need to do it. Church needs to realign itself. And I think it starts with understanding who you are. More specifically, who you are because of what He did. Amen.